Hey, welcome to the Urban Crofters podcast. We're a church family based in Roth, Cardiff, seeking to connect, create, and transform the community around us, kingdom style. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, Urban Crofters, to this second session on healing ministry. Let's pray together as we begin. Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity we have in these weeks to consider healing ministry in the life of your church. And we pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to impact us all as we explore this really important topic. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I'd like to begin with uh, using uh, this diagram that we've made use of in the autumn when we were considering our heart for the city, um, a redemptive framework, looking through redemptive history and God's plan and purpose through redemptive history as it relates to healing. So we could say that in uh, creation, God's original intention was that we should live free of sickness, that through the fall of humankind, through our deliberate intentional disobedience against God and his ways as a human race, that we have allowed sickness to enter into the world through... um, the arrival of Jesus and through um, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're now in a season, in an era of redemptive history where the Holy Spirit wants to empower his church to experience in ever increasing measure the kingdom of God and to believe passionately that that kingdom is a kingdom that is free of sickness. So as we see God's kingdom come, we will see uh, an overthrow of sickness And in the season of consummation, there will be no sickness. The new earth will be an earth that is wonderfully free of sickness, of suffering, of pain. There will be wholeness in our lives at every level of our beings. And so this is the theological framework for us as we consider uh, the reality of healing. And uh, it's a wonderful uh, affirmation that we can make together that God wants to display the glory of his love and his kingdom through the miracle of healing. Very interesting encounter conversation between Jesus and his disciples occurs uh, at one point in John chapter nine. As Jesus went along, we read, he saw a man Uh, blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus replies, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's an amazing affirmation that Jesus makes. So often as human beings, we want to point to the specific sin that has caused a particular ailment. Uh, But Jesus is saying uh, it's not about this man's sin or even generational sin, but about the fact that God wants to break in into this man's life and show him the wonder and the joy, the freedom of his kingdom of healing and wholeness. I think this provides a means for revealing the nature of God's kingdom purposes. To see his kingdom take ground. God's light is coming into this world to transform the darkness that has been allowed to emerge through human disobedience against God in the past. We thought last week about 
uh, how healing is so much part of God's character and his overarching purpose. I am the Lord, the one who heals you, he reveals in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. Then the Hebrew there is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. We don't need to convince God that healing is a good idea. God is good. His love endures forever. We can affirm uh, every day of our lives. And um, remember, too, that if we want to know the heart of the Father, we simply need to take a look at the heart of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. We see how Jesus loved to heal people at every level of their being. And we see how Jesus saw sickness as an enemy to be defeated, uh, an enemy just like Satan. Sickness was an enemy that he uh, so defeated through his ministry. And it's the common gospel theme, isn't it, of universal healing. This is the, the great um, challenge to our expectations that we see in the gospel accounts how Jesus healed everybody who came to him for healing. It's the repeated theme in Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke especially of uh, the way that crowds came to Jesus expecting healing and uh, they were not disappointed. Jesus healed all of them. Let's remember too how Jesus gave his healing authority to his disciples. It wasn't simply his healing ministry, was it? We can't respond to those passages by saying, well, um, that's fine, that was Jesus, but actually it wasn't his disciples who saw that. Jesus gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. The great commission from Jesus passes that same divine authority for healing to every generation of disciples ever since. It's been passed down from one generation to the next as they respond to the commission of Jesus saying, go and make disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, including the commandment to go and to heal the sick and to set those who are oppressed free. It's a commandment. It's not an option or a suggestion. So I believe very uh, firmly that the witness of scripture is that it's God's will to bring healing and wholeness to human lives. God does not cause sickness. Sickness is caused by the fall of humankind. It is not caused ever by God. God wants his kingdom to be extended, a kingdom that is free of sickness, God wants to bring an end to sickness. Sickness is an enemy to be defeated, Jesus uh, proclaimed, and uh, we need to follow that model. And um, it's a war, isn't it? It's a battle zone. Uh, we're fighting against the kingdom of darkness that has brought about sickness and suffering um, and warfare is complicated warfare is never a simple process and so as we think about entering into this discussion and conversation and that's very much what it is a, a conversation on these important topics that we recognize uh, we're in a battle zone and um, there are lots of traps to avoid just as there are in any battlefield there is, for example, the whole mystery of the suffering of the faithful. People who have lived godly, committed, faithful lives, and yet 
they face chronic illness. That is a great mystery. The complexity of unanswered prayer that we all wrestle with. So in the light of these mysteries, these complexities, we need to tread carefully and wisely. I'm sure that all of us have experienced bitter and painful disappointments in relation to prayer for healing. Perhaps in our own lives, we face disappointment, perhaps in the lives of friends and family members. But all of us, to some extent or another, have experienced bitter disappointments. And uh, we've recognized that there are complex issues at work here. Uh, they're not served well by simplistic answers. That is one error we need to avoid, but neither are they served well by simply a stony silence of saying, well, it's all too complicated. There's nothing that we can do. It's just uh, a mystery from beginning to end. While there are mysteries involved, there are also advances that can be made, answers that can be provided to some extent. Now, um, there are all sorts of fierce currents uh, at work over which we need to cross in the journey from sickness and brokenness to across to wholeness and healing. Some of these uh, currents we might name as materialism, that uh, the particular uh, perspective that everything uh, needs to be explained by uh, some material answer. If it's not seen, then it's not real. Um, scientific naturalism, that everything has to be understood through scientific principles. Liberal theology, um, that's, that seeks to do away with the miraculous, for example, without any expectation for the miraculous inbreaking of God's power. Uh, demonic power itself, uh, raging against us, trying to uh, lead us away from advances that we might make in healing ministry. And just, uh, uh, we might mention unbelief itself, that we lack an, an expectation for healing power to work. And some, let's face it, some Christians have gone to that place of unbelief. They have just let go of the whole agenda of healing ministry, uh, except through medicine and natural uh, healing remedies in our own bodies. So uh, I believe we need to steer very courageously against that uh, place of resignation of just not believing or expect uh, expecting any miraculous healing anymore. We need to take a stand against that and to seek ways of crossing over that raging torrent of uh, unbelief. I believe God wants us to find stable, strong stepping stones of faith and expectation to cross over that river. And God desires to partner with us, I believe, in seeing more and more people healed at every level of their being. So we've spoken about the reality of living in a time of spiritual warfare between the two kingdoms, the kingdom of God on the one hand, the kingdom of uh, darkness, of evil on the other. And uh, it's a helpful uh, concept to keep in mind this reality of that spiritual warfare um, and the kingdom of God advancing, but not advancing completely. So, yes, it's a helpful um, way of seeing this battle because we can speak then about the kingdom of God becoming reality now and the kingdom of God not yet becoming fully realized on earth. Perfection waits the second advent of Jesus. Uh, 
and we're not going to see 100% perfection until that time. However, faith and expectation for healing uh, to break in then allows us to say that the not yet of tomorrow can become the now of today. The now of realizing uh, and seeing more of God's kingdom becoming reality. Now, as we're using the language of warfare and the spiritual battle that we're fighting, then, of course, it helps us to see other aspects of that metaphor being unfolded, including the fact that the troops need to be trained, don't they? Armies uh, are not sent out into battle uh, untrained or ill-equipped. Neither do armies train for defeat. They train for victory. And the wonderful affirmation we can make is that Jesus has died on the cross to establish ever-increasing victories in this spiritual battle. We are not called to ever-increasing defeat, but ever-increasing victory. How can any of us say that we're content to be in the place of putting up with defeat after defeat after defeat? Can we not encourage one another to say, let's learn from our um, defeats, from our disappointments, and let's press on together to see more people healed? Is that not the cry of our hearts? We long to see more of God's power and presence released so that we can um, witness and testify to an ever-increasing experience of God's victory on earth as it is complete in heaven. So becoming battle ready, I want to explore four areas in this conversation. First of all, fueling faith. Second of all, developing discernment. Thirdly, holding on to healing. And fourthly, practicing persistence. Let's look at those in turn. First of all, the critical importance of faith. I want to remind you of the story of um, a boy who was having seizures the disciples try to minister to him, but they can't heal him. And they ask him, uh, there's a demonic presence going on here that needs to be driven out. The disciples ask Jesus the question, why couldn't we drive out the demon? And Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so we first of all have to address this very critical uh, dimension in this conversation, that of hindrances to faith, to trusting for greater measures of healing. Um, there can be many doubts that come into our minds for all sorts of reasons as we approach healing prayer ministry. Past disappointments get in our way, times when we've expected God to come through, and for whatever reason, we haven't seen it happen and we end up feeling disappointed. That can lead us to the place of just sheer unbelief that we no longer have any expectation for miraculous healing. And we give up praying for healing. We just simply rely on science and technology or we give into the reality of healing through death, which is, of course, the most wonderful healing of all. We've recognized that. But. Uh, let's be honest about where um, we have faced disappointment. And uh, I think we also need to name the reality of living in a developed nation where medicine and technology are advancing to such an, uh, one, in such wonderful ways. Um, if we can rely upon medicine and technology uh, 
to advance our journey into healing, then of course that is going to affect our expectations for God to come through for us to some extent. I think that needs to be named. I recall uh, hearing from Christian leaders who minister in the UK as well as ministering in developing nations. And they will say they see a much, much greater level of healing coming through in the developing nations than they do in the UK. And I don't believe that God loves people more in the developing nations than he does in developed nations. What's different, surely, to some extent, and again, there are mysteries here, but to some extent in Kenya, for example, there is not the same level of reliance upon medicine and technology as there is in the UK. And so that's why I believe people are crying out with greater desperation for healing in places like Kenya than they are in the UK. There's a greater level of faith and God responds to faith. So I do believe we need to name that dimension. Another hindrance to faith would be the comfortable sick. Now, clearly some people in their sickness are absolutely desperate to be healed and to be made well. I'm not speaking about those people, but there are some people who, um, whose sickness uh, becomes such a chronic experience that they get used to it. They almost become comfortable in it. Can I mention in terms of um, some people uh, that I've come across who uh, have got to the place they don't have to work because of sickness benefits. And if they were to be healed, of course, all that would be that, that um, comfort, if you like, would be taken from them. So uh, we do, I believe, also need to mention that as a possible reason why there is a hindrance to faith and expectation. That's why Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? Because we as, as uh, compassionate people can uh, maybe rush into prayer ministry for people who need healing before we've asked the question, do you want to be made well or not? Because if a sick person doesn't really want to be made well, then I believe there's not much point entering into uh, healing prayer ministry. And then also the, the complication of praying for people who are sick near the ends of their lives, the very elderly people. Um, again, I think we need to be so sensitive about how we pray for those uh, people near the ends of their lives. Because, you know, we may be longing for them to stay to be with us, but it may be that they are ready to move on through the gateway of death into the wonderful reality of eternal life. Um, and so uh, it may not be appropriate to be praying for healing for people, elderly people. We need to work out. Of course, it could be God's will. To, to heal the elderly. And, and it's not their time to depart from this life, but we need to be uh, recognized that there could be a hindrance to an expectation for healing in elderly people that we pray for. How can we fuel faith? Well, we spoke last week about creating a positive faith environment for healing prayer ministry to happen in. That is helped through worship and thanksgiving and focusing our minds and our hearts upon the, uh, the wonder of God's greatness and his love. That's so helpful as a context to praying for healing. Hearing testimonies of healing as well, so helpful in healing services that we hear stories of how God has broken in to people's lives and brought about healing. It raises people's levels of faith and expectation. Words of knowledge are really important in, in this as well, where we um, use that spiritual gift of hearing what is it that God wants to bring healing. He knows he's present and he knows what, uh, where he wants to bring healing. So words of knowledge is a wonderful way of 
uh, building faith levels. Now, when it comes to discussion of faith, I believe it's helpful for us to think about connection rather than quantity of faith. It, it's the critical question of what our faith is connected to rather than thinking, how much faith do we have? Um, and so uh, we could say that a weak faith in a strong bough of a tree is a much better situation than strong faith in a weak bough of the tree that's about to snap if we're hanging off a tree. Yeah, so um, it's about connection with God's resources. Is our faith truly strongly connected to the strength of God's resources? So it's not how much faith we have, but about what our faith is connected to. We might even say who our faith is connected to. Is our faith connected to the God of majestic love and power? So fueling faith. Then we move on to the second aspect, I believe, that's important to address, that of spiritual discernment. And so here is a spiritual gift the gift of discernment, discerning what the Holy Spirit is saying, what the Holy Spirit is doing, discerning what people are thinking and feeling just in their human consciousness and discerning where there's demonic power at work. Those three aspects of discernment of spirits, we might call it. So uh, once again, can I remind you of the way in which Jesus modeled using multiple spiritual gifts in his healing prayer ministry? He wasn't just using gifts of healing he was using other spiritual gifts as well. We need to do the same. Now, an example of this would be the way in which we see Jesus minister to blind people. Fascinating study that you can make to look through specific accounts of how Jesus healed different blind people. Let me give you a few of them. Sometimes he healed blind people simply by speaking words. Example, Mark chapter 10. Um, the blind man says, Rabbi, I want to see Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. Doesn't touch the man as far as we're concerned. Uh, as, as far as Mark describes it, he simply says the words, your faith has healed you. Sometimes words are combined with touch. Uh, we read in Matthew chapter nine, then Jesus touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Sometimes he used saliva, which is very interesting. Mark chapter eight, when Jesus had put saliva on the blind man's eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? So that's touch and saliva. John chapter nine. After saying this, Jesus spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, that's fascinating for all sorts of reasons and don't have time to delve into it. But interesting theory here. It's not explicit in the text, is it? But it's an interesting theory that it used to be um, a rather horrible habit that people had as they passed by blind beggars that they would spit on them because they felt so strongly that the blindness was a sign of God's condemnation of them. And so they would express that physically by spitting on the blind beggars. How horrible is that? However, Jesus in spitting wants to heal the blind man spiritually by saying, I'm going to spit, but the spitting now is going to be the means of your healing. Know how much God loves you. 
and God wants you to be made whole. So interesting theory. And then uh, here's a last example uh, in Matthew chapter 12, where it's about um, setting somebody free from a demon. They brought Jesus, a demon possessed man who was blind and mute. Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. The implication is that Jesus cast out the demon and that set this blind person free. So there's five examples and five different ways in which Jesus healed blindness. So how important is it to use discernment during healing prayer ministry? We need to discern what people are thinking and feeling, which is wrong and maybe a hindrance to their healing coming through for them. Um, really, really important. We're listening out for what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us. It's really important that we're listening out for what the Holy Spirit is saying about this is the way that this person is going to be healed. That's what Jesus was doing in all those examples with blind people. He didn't have a set way of praying for a blind person, did he? He was listening to the Holy Spirit, listening for a word of knowledge, maybe a word of wisdom, we can, might call it, um, to know how best to minister healing to these blind people. Um, and then also listening out for discernment about um, uh, the root of a problem in the recipient receiving prayer ministry. It could be, for example, there's a root of unforgiveness, either unforgiven, unforgiveness in relation to the, this, this, uh, that person in terms of forgiving themselves, or maybe unforgiveness in relation to some other person who's caused hurt and offense in some way. Uh, but I'm sure we've heard testimonies of how when forgiveness is released in the life of the person who's needing to be healed, that's the trigger that releases uh, healing in their lives. Could be there's a demonic root that needs to be released. And as we're talking about that, I just want to uh, explore quite briefly the whole area of deliverance ministry. Uh, we could spend a long time on this. Uh, I just want to uh, focus uh, on a few key points. But it's a key aspect of the ministry that Jesus gave to his disciples then and to his disciples now, that of setting captives free. Do you remember how when he came to the synagogue, he quoted from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to set captives free, to deliver people from darkness, he said. And so he gave that authority to over demonic spirits to the first generation of disciples and through them to every generation of disciples. And so if people are held captive in demonic cages, then the gate can and should be opened so that the, uh, those people can be helped to leave the cage of demonic oppression. Now, we can think about a spectrum of demonic influence in people's lives, can't we? At the very mild, low end of the spectrum would be recurring temptations that come to us. That a demonic spirit comes to us and sows, tries to sow the seed of uh, sin in our lives through giving uh, some temptation. Medium level would be what we could describe as spiritual oppression. So a persistent temptation that seems never to leave us or voices of accusation that seem never to leave us, um, that kind of oppression that is more persistent and um, continuous. And then a high level of demonic influence would be people who are, we might say demonized, might be a word that we could use. A demonic spirit is now not only over them, but actually it's within them. It's come to reside within that person's uh, consciousness. 
And um, we can be delivered at any point on that spectrum. Through Jesus, we have authority over the demonic realm and we can deliver people, set people free from every aspect, low, medium or high of that spectrum. I do believe it's important we don't go looking for demons, can be a, a, uh, an excess that we need to avoid, looking for a demon behind every bush, every problem, there must be a demon that has to be cast out. We need to avoid that. The presence of demons will usually be very clear and very obvious. I don't believe we need to go looking for them. So uh, a few signs of demonization in a person could be very unusual eyes um, and uh, could be an unusual voice that they're speaking with, even the sound of hissing coming out from them. There could be very unusual body movements, uh, shaking in a, in a very distorted, uncontrollable kind of way. Those kinds of manifestations uh, are signs to us that there's a demonic presence that needs to be cast out. So a few practical uh, hints. Um, I think in terms of um, practicing deliverance ministry or developing deliverance ministry, then it wants to, uh, we want to uh, allow it to happen in the context of worship where we're building faith in ourselves and in the person who's being set free and other people on the team praying with us. Um, I think the step of confession is really important because um, very often we will have given access to a demonic spirit in the first instance. That's how they've come into our lives through some sin that has been committed. Um, and so we need to confess that, that we have been responsible for the giving access. Uh, we have that responsibility in terms of like resisting demonic uh, powers and presence in our lives. So at some point we've opened the door to that demonic presence. We need to confess that to God. Then uh, receiving forgiveness from the Lord. We've confessed the sin. Then as a prayer ministry team, we proclaim and affirm the forgiveness of the Lord over that person so that they know they're now positioned, ready to step out of the prison of um, oppression. And then um, the person being set free, I think, needs also to be able to declare their repentance uh, in the sense of, wanting to say that they're going to uh, be set free. They know they're going to be set free, but they're going to walk out their freedom in obedience to the Lord. So saying and affirming they're going to walk in a new direction. That's what repentance is, isn't it? Doing a U-turn, a 180-degree turn. So that expression, I believe, is important in this ministry. Signing the person with the sign of the cross. It's through the cross that Satan's been defeated, that demonic powers have been defeated. And so as that's the source of freeing power and authority, we sign the person with that sign. And then we command the demonic spirit to leave this person in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, who has defeated the powers of darkness. Once the demonic spirit has been cast out from the person, then we want to pray that this person will be refilled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus was teaching about saying, it's, it's not good news when a demonic spirit leaves and we don't, we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So uh, we prevent the return to captivity through filling that person's life with the Holy Spirit. And then really important to have follow-up as well, maybe a week later, perhaps a month later, maybe six months later, that we meet with that person again and we just see how are you getting on? How are you walking out your freedom? That's really important. So 
Uh, a few practical tips. Um, let's avoid the extremes of obsession about demonic activity on the one hand, but also the, the equal and opposite error of complete neglect about uh, demonic activity. Um, and I think we're going to see more and more need for deliverance ministry uh, as we have an expectation for revival coming. Um, and uh, because people have lived without Jesus for so long, uh, there's most likely going to be a lot of demonic activity that people have um, given access to. So there's going to be need for deliverance ministry. We need to pursue the middle way of balanced biblical Christianity, BBC. Uh, if necessary, seek help from more experienced leaders who have perhaps just a little bit more experience of deliverance ministry. Um, if it's a situation where we're uh, trying to deliver somebody who's manifesting a demonic presence in the in context of worship, and it's just becoming very noisy and distracting, then it's really important to take them out of that room into a side room uh, just to um, allow the ministry to continue. And um, just being vigilant as well when we're involved in deliverance ministry that we don't become a target for the demonic spirit. I've just heard a few testimonies over the years where people who have practiced deliverance ministry have become a little bit complacent um, and they've let their uh, guard down and they've realized that they uh, have become dem demonically oppressed themselves uh, and need to be set free from that dem uh, the, demon the demons that they're setting casting out of other people so no need for fear in that but just need for wisdom that actually we, we maintain our guard uh, that we are not being infected with their demonic influence ourselves so um, we've done fueling faith we've considered dis developing discernment um, and now moving on to holding on to healing um, and the concept of different levels of healing in our being so we've spoken about the fact that the gifts of heal healing is mentioned three times in 1 Corinthians 12, gifts plural, suggesting that there are different types of healing gifts. And that also relates to the idea of holistic healing. So just a reminder of what we looked at last week where Jesus brings holistic healing to the woman who had 12 years of menstrual bleeding with the words daughter, uh, that is bringing relational healing to her. Your faith has made you well. Those words brought spiritual healing to her. Go in peace, that brought emotional healing to her, and then be healed of your disease. That was the affirmation of physical healing. So with very carefully chosen words, Jesus, I believe, ministered four dimensions of healing to this woman. So um, really important that we recognize the steps of holistic healing that are needed in people's lives in order to bring about complete wholeness, in order to release healing. And um, it's true, isn't it, that physical healing just simply won't be sustainable in a person's life if the underlying mental health has not been addressed first. So a dear friend of ours, uh, in fact, has been really honest with us in terms of recognizing that reality um, because he suffers from type 2 diabetes um, and he hasn't yet been healed of type 2 diabetes. But what he's recognized is that that diabetes has come into his life because he's got a very poor relationship with both eating well and exercising well. And so he recognizes that if the Lord was to step in and heal his type 2 diabetes before he's sorted out 
what it means to eat well and exercise well, then he's simply not going to hang on to his healing. Most likely he'll go back into diabetes. So it's really important that there's a, an order, a sequence to the healing that needs to come to our lives. So it could be, I'm not saying that it is, but it could be in some cases that physical healing is delayed in some people's lives because their mental health is not yet in a place to allow them to hold on to sustain their physical healing, the physical healing that God wants to bring. It's not that God doesn't want to bring the physical healing, but God knows that it cannot be maintained and sustained in that person's life until these other levels of healing have been released. And, it, and God's priority may be those other levels of healing. It could be that God's uh, perspective sees the importance of spiritual healing and of emotional healing and of relational healing more than physical healing. And not to say that physical healing is not important, but that maybe these other levels in God's perspective are more important for that person's life because he wants to build a really strong, resilient character in that person. And that's why these other levels of healing need to be sorted out first. <clears throat> so in God's wisdom, he knows the right sequence for healing to come. Again, it relates to discernment, doesn't it? What we've just looked at that we're listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying about what the order of healing may be in this person's life in order to bring about physical healing. But it could be that the physical healing is the last stage. So um, encouraging repentance in the recipient is really important, I believe, um, because it could be that hanging on to our healing is going to require us turning away from unhealthy pathways where we've been walking in the past. Um, and we have to walk out sustained healing um, as we walk on the road to wholeness. Very significant for us when we visited Bethel Church uh, in Reading in California where uh, Bill Johnson is, has been the pastor. Um, and uh, we went every Saturday morning, they have this uh, amazing offering of healing prayer for people. Um, and it's very interesting how they offer that healing uh, ministry you have a, a major teaching, first of all, on thinking about the theology of healing to build people's faith levels and expectation for healing. You, th you then go into the main sanctuary where there's an atmosphere of worship going on continuously. And then you simply sit and soak in that atmosphere for however long you want, an hour uh, plus. If you want, um, people may come and pray with you. They may have, they have an expectation for, for healing to come just simply by in an atmosphere of faith. And then afterwards, you, you come out from that sanctuary and you go into another teaching session about um, walking out your healing. I mean, we saw in that, in that story, didn't we, where Jesus uh, put the mud on the blind man's eyes and then said, he said to go and wash. And it was as he went, as he washed, as he um, responded to what Jesus said, that the healing came through for him. So uh, it could be instantaneous healing very sudden, dramatic healing could be as we walk out from that healing prayer ministry session, that healing comes over a period of hours or days or weeks, even months later, that healing is going to gradually come. So really important that we're uh, in response to receiving prayer for healing, that we're walking out faithfully in obedience to what God is asking of us. And then the fourth area I want to address is the area of um, persisting and persevering in healing prayer ministry. Dealing with our disappointments well with thanksgiving. So important, I believe, that we 
deal with disappointments, not with bitterness or resentment or accusing anybody about anything, but simply with thanksgiving for what God has done. Remember what we're saying, that there's so uh, these other levels of healing that can come, emotional, relational, spiritual healing. And I believe even if there hasn't been a breakthrough with physical healing, that there will often be a breakthrough with these other levels of healing that God is doing first. Um, and so uh, let's also learn and develop through our experiences of healing prayer ministry. It's good after we've um, uh, taken part in such a time that we then journal about what we've learned uh, what did we see happen? What did we not see happen? What do we think was going on there? That we we journal about it and we ask the Lord, okay, Lord, would you teach me what um, I can learn? Or have a conversation with the people that you're praying with um, and the feedback time of actually, what did we learn from that experience? What was God showing us about how to develop um, our healing prayer ministry? And the importance of keeping on praying as well, persevering in prayer. That may mean just at the moment of praying for somebody that we repeat the prayer. Remember how we saw Jesus repeat a prayer for healing for the blind man um, last week. And uh, it may also mean sustained prayer ministry as well, that we just keep on going in prayer. Uh, maybe we need to have other prayer ministry sessions for that individual. But certainly let's keep on going and keep on praying um, in our church life for healing. Let's remember that God is always faithful. Even in times of disappointment, God is still gracious in bringing blessing. I think here of the, the analogy of the pearl um, being grown inside the oyster, that it's a grit, of, uh, piece of grit or sand, isn't it, that's irritating the oyster, uh, which leads to such astonishingly beautiful uh, object to be created. So the pearl of grace coming into our lives from the grit of suffering. Healing may be postponed, but it's never rejected. Wholeness can be delayed at times, but it's never cancelled. God is always our faithful companion through our experience of sickness and through our journey into wholeness, however long that journey may be. Let us remember God is faithful. So to recap, becoming battle ready, fueling faith, developing discernment, holding on to healing, persisting uh, in our perseverance. And let's be reminded about this, the important agenda for us of combining word and spirit together. We want to be a church that proclaims the word of God and demonstrates the works of God. Uh, it's such a powerful combination. And um, we want to see that particularly in the areas of prophecy and miraculous healing. That is our faith-filled expectation that God will do that amongst us and allow us to develop gifts of prophecy and gifts of healing so that we become ever more effective as God's servants in bringing about his kingdom on earth as we see it in heaven. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your calling upon our lives to be those who are listening to your word and who are demonstrating your works of healing and deliverance in people's lives. And Lord, we trust in you Come upon us in greater measure through the power of your spirit. We desperately need your resources to empower us and to develop us in this ministry. We cannot do it on our own. We rely and trust in you, Lord.
I pray for all of us to have a deeper level of expectation for you to work in us and through us to bless others. And that we will see a development of our witness and our evangelism because we're hearing you speak more powerfully and we're uh, ministering healing more extensively day by day. Would you release this ministry amongst us? In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll have breakout rooms, I hope, again on Sunday in our gathering. Here are some questions for us to reflect on in advance of that time of discussion. What examples of healing have we experienced, either in our own lives or in the lives of people close to us? Uh, what experience do, uh, experiences do we have of different levels of healing, these, these four dimensions of uh, spiritual, relational, emotional, and physical? How is the idea of connecting our trust to God's resources helpful when it comes to building faith? Remember the idea of actually not so much how much faith we have, but whether our faith is connected to the strength of God's resources. And um, how is the idea of developing sharper discernment helpful as we think about uh, ways of uh, approaching healing prayer ministry? And how can we develop persistence in our praying for healing rather than giving in to disappointment? So those are some questions I hope we can enjoy discussing together on Sundays. Thank you, everybody. Look forward to connecting with you. Thanks for listening to the Urban Crofters podcast. To connect with more of who we are and what we do, visit our website at urbancrofters.co.uk or follow us on socials at urban underscore crofters.